You found a podcast where you'll hear the truth And we will praise Jesus' name We stand for the Bible and won't back down from it Although it don't bring much fame Some folks will like it, some will try to deny it But God's word will always stand true It's been tried in the fire Hello friends Welcome to another episode of the Pod King Bible Study. I'm your co-host, Donald King. And I'm your host, Donnie King. This is Friday, September the 30th, special edition number 49, The Discontented Christian. On this podcast, we studied the Bible according to how it was written in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, how it was translated into English in the King James Version. In our last study, we went over John's description that he gave of Jesus Christ. We are very familiar with some of the terms John uses, but we see many things that we feel need to be pointed out. John says Jesus has hair white as wool, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like burnished brass, a garment to the foot, and a golden girdle. What does all this mean? What does it mean when John says that Jesus has seven stars in his hands? Who are the seven angels over the churches? We looked at all of this and much more. In today's episode, we answer the question to a problem that seems to be plaguing our churches across the land. The question is, how can Christians be discontent? Seems that there are discontented Christians within every congregation in this hour in which we live. Is this normal? Is this the way it must be? How can a person have Christ as their Savior and yet be discontent, which also can be interpreted as unhappy? Is that even a possibility? We look into these thoughts and many more. And now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today, I'll turn it to the host of our podcast, Brother Donnie King. Thank you for joining us today. We're once again excited about this study that we're looking into. A listener wrote in and asked us a question. How can Christians be discontent? It seems that there are discontented Christians within every congregation in this hour in which we live. Well, sadly, I have also seen this disturbing phenomenon as well. Well, hopefully this isn't the newest trend within our churches. I'm afraid it's more contagious than the coronavirus is in most places. (laughs) I do want to share a scripture with you and then base the rest of this episode from that. And it's going to be a very familiar scripture. Most people have heard this. I've seen it on lots of plaques. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I've seen it plastered across the backsplash of a window. But we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The very title of our topic today should be considered an enigma or even a paradox at best. The thought of someone who is Christ-like being discontented seems impossible. Well, it should be impossible to imagine a person who is just like Jesus, but they're unhappy. That just seems wrong, doesn't it? To picture a person who is living just like Jesus lived, but he's discontented with everything that's going on. That just doesn't seem right, does it? Why are there so many people who say that they are Christians and they're unhappy and they're dissatisfied? Is it possible for a person who is truly saved and on their way to heaven to be discontent with the Lord? Can a person who's actively working for God really be bored? I don't see how. If you really battle boredom, you probably aren't doing enough for the kingdom of heaven the way I see it. Ecclesiastes 1 and 8 says, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it, 
the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Is that not an apt description of what we're seeing today? Their eyes are never satisfied. Their ears never satisfied. They're always longing for more, wanting more. Isaiah 55 and 2 says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Did you notice in both of those scriptures that I just shared with you, it's talking about not being satisfied, not getting your satisfaction. That is one of the things that is talked about over and over today in the hour that we live in. How many times have you went somewhere, stayed at a hotel or rented a car or did something of that same nature, and then you got a satisfaction survey sent to you? Uh, email come through. How satisfied were you with your service at the local car dealership? How satisfied were you with our hotel? How satisfied? Everybody's worried about being satisfied more than they are being content in Jesus. Now, the two verses we looked at, I feel like are a description of man who has no hope in his life. Does this describe your inner feelings? I wonder how many people from our audience wrestles with this same condition. Well, I'd like to ask our audience a few questions while me and you are talking today. All right. Do you feel as if everything you do goes up in smoke? Do you feel like everything you're trying to accomplish in life is a waste of time? Do you fight bouts of depression? Do you fight discontentment? Do you feel the feelings of dissatisfaction often? How easy is it for you to get discouraged? If you feel all of these things, or at least some of them, you're not alone. There are millions of people that struggle with these difficulties every day. That's true, and the point is, I don't think we have to struggle with those things. If you're in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in you, we shouldn't be bombarded with bouts of depression. We shouldn't be struggling with discontentment. We should never be dissatisfied with the Lord, and we shouldn't be easily discouraged. The Hebrew word that translates as discontented and dissatisfied is a very familiar word, and I think it might surprise you. It is Mara. This is what Naomi told the residents of Bethlehem to call her. That's right, because Mara is interpreted also as bitter. It means to be grieved about something. It means to have your spirit vexed. It means to have a bitter soul, to feel anguish. Now, in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 5, I encourage all of our listeners to go and read that passage, listen to what's being said there, and focus on what David does and what's going on in David's life. All right, I'll give you a brief rundown and just make a reference to it, but I highly encourage you to go read that again. David was on the run from Saul, and he had fled to the wilderness. He found his way to the cave Adullam, where he tried to hide out. Eventually, his family came to where he was hiding. It seemed like nearly everyone else who had a truckload of problems showed up, too. You know what they say, misery loves company. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> the Bible says that everyone who was in distress, everyone who was discontented, and everyone who was in debt came to David. Then the Bible says that they decided to make him their captain. Wow. What an honor. <laughs> Don't you know? How would you like to be given that same privilege? <laughs> oh, thank you. Can you imagine the pride in telling someone that you are the captain over all the discontented and disgruntled people? Yeah, what a <laughs> prestige that is. Uh -huh. Maybe we can find us a badge and a special cap to wear around and tell everybody that we're the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> it was going to be hard enough for David to hide from Saul all by himself, but now he's got over 400 others that he's going to have to try to hide in the wilderness. So David goes over to the king of Moab and asks the king over there if he could bring his family to him and let them stay until he found out what God was going to do for him. Have you ever been there before? I sure have, more times than I'd like to admit. 
We've all been at a place where we were needing to know what God was going to do for us. Have you ever been in distress? Have you ever been in discontentment? Have you ever been in debt? I would dare say that most of the people here today listening have been in at least one of these at some point in their life. Some of those who are listening today might be battling all three of these things right now. If so, please stay tuned with us because you're the one we're trying to talk to today. That's right. Amen. Shouldn't we be people who are not driven by our circumstances, people who are not driven by our problems and by our situations? Why do so many people who profess to be saved and on their way to heaven, why are they discontent with the way things are in their home life? So many people are sick and tired of their job. Well, yeah, that's why they left the last one and the one before that and the one before that. And and the one you see what I'm saying? They can't find a church where they feel comfortable or where they feel like they fit in. They think, well, this church is too strict. Well, that church is too liberal. You get out too late there. You might get out too early. Yeah, the preacher hardly ever preaches at that church or the preacher he wants to preach all the time. The people aren't very friendly there or the people are so friendly they're nosy. What in the world is wrong with us? Can we not ever find something that will make us happy? How come we're never satisfied? Surely there's a place that we can all reach in God where we can rise above these feelings of discontent. Think about Paul. Paul was in prison facing a possible death sentence, but when he was given an opportunity to testify, instead of talking about, y'all have done me wrong, y'all just ain't doing me right, everything I've tried to do, y'all just turned me into a criminal, y'all try to say this, and not. he turned around and he said, I think myself happy to answer. Right. At another time, David was on the run from Saul. David had just been rejected from fighting for the Philistine army. Now he's on his way back to Ziklag with his 600 men. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, They arrived to find the city burnt with fire, and their wives and children had been taken captive. Yeah, and all the men in David's garrison were outraged. Surprisingly enough, they were outraged at David. I mean, he was with them. They gathered up stones intending to end his misery right there. You ain't kidding. David had lost his wife. David had lost his children. And David had lost his home just like the rest of them did. You know what happens? David gets away from them and David began to call on the Lord. Uh, The Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord at this very point. Yes, he did. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you can choose to be happy. I want my audience that's listening today to think on that statement again. I'm going to repeat it. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you can choose to be happy. You don't have to be sad. Somebody listening right now may be feeling sad, but you don't have to be. You can choose to be happy. A wise man one time said, your attitude determines your contentment. Can we Christians grasp the fact that our amount of contentment that we have is up to us? You can choose to allow your circumstances to get you down. Well, you can also choose to see God working through your circumstances and not be down as well. Most Christians seem to be happy with being unhappy. Many Christians appear content with being discontent. Ain't that the truth? Let me read you the verse we started with again and make a few points from it. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 11, not that I speak in respect of want, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. When Paul mentions whatsoever state he is in, do you think he was meaning Kentucky, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, or wherever our audience might be listening from? Well, is it possible he was trying to tell us that no matter what our condition, situation, or circumstances, we can be content in Christ? 
I believe that's completely what he was trying to say. And I want to say this. Paul isn't the only one who can learn to be content with Jesus at all times and in all situations either. We can learn the same thing. Now, we all know exactly what Paul meant here, but sometimes we feel like the people who wrote the Bible are so out of touch with those of us today. That is true. But isn't the word of God everlasting? It's absolutely everlasting, and it's good for all of eternity. Didn't he say that he was God and he changes not? Even if our circumstances are different from the people in the Bible times, and we know that they're not for the most part, we still have the same God that they had. We may not be facing the fiery furnace today, but how many of us have not been through some kind of a trial that we would have called a fiery furnace? You may have never had to cross the Red Sea, but we've been with our back against the wall and didn't know what to do in a similar situation. We may not have ever had to face a Philistine giant with only a sling in our hand while he's got all of his weaponry and warfare ready to go to battle, but God has helped us fight and overcome our enemies many, many times. The Bible says there is no temptation that has taken us, but that which is common to man. That's a pretty amazing thought when you think about it, too. Yes, it is. In 1 Timothy, I want to read a couple verses here in chapter 6, verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul really spoke about being content quite a bit in his writing. And he said here, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Godliness by itself is good. But godliness with contentment is much, much better. Do you have food to eat and clothes to wear? Yes, I do. Are you content? If you're not, why aren't you? We all ought to be very content, but you know what? It bothers us when we look next door and see our neighbor has just a little more than us or a nicer home or a better car or his children are very popular or whatever <laughs> the point may be. We can't be satisfied with anything. That's right. We don't have enough godliness to be content with our situations. And I know that's a strong statement that I just made, but I'm afraid that's where the problem is. We don't have the godliness, and therefore we can't be content. Did you know that discontentment has played a major role in demolishing entire civilizations? There's a historian by the name of Carl Zimmerman. He wrote a book back in 1947, and he titled it Family and Civilization. Now, Mr. Zimmerman was not a Christian, but he was reared in a time and culture that had much better morals than ours and much better values than we have today. In his book, he listed several things that brought on and encouraged the downfall of every major civilization that has fallen. Sounds like his book has become a haunting prophecy from only 75 years ago. That's true, and that's exactly how long ago this book was written. I want to take a look into some of Zimmerman's biggest worries that he felt would doom America if they were not careful. As a matter of fact, the following is a list of what brought the downfall of all these other nations. The first thing that he listed was marriage lost its sacredness. Imagine that. What's happening in America right now? He said that marriage, that great institution God created, began to be frequently broken by divorce in every major civilization that fell. And it was through the feelings of discontentment that led couples into a blah state of marriage. Instead of battling these feelings, people began to battle one another. That's exactly what happens. Instead of fighting to keep the marriage, they began fighting their own marriage. At one point in their marriage, the people were so happy and they were so satisfied. But as time began to wear on, they became disenchanted with their spouse. They eventually chose to depart from a vow that is binding in heaven, and they broke it here on earth. Discontentment in a marriage will kill love. 
And guess what? That's not all. It helps foster a spirit of lust that will replace the love that was there. The discontented one began looking for other avenues of happiness and contentment. Well, the meaning of the marriage ceremony was lost, and it was lost at the expense of the family's well-being. It was because of this that alternate forms of marriage arose. Yes, that's true. And and think about what's happened in America. Think about how it's all happened. Marriage began to lose its sacredness. I remember hearing about it back in the 80s as a young man, how that divorce had skyrocketed in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah. Not only had divorce began to be a major thing, half of marriages were ending in divorce, and that's still holding pretty steady right now. Anywhere from 42 to 50% of all marriages end in divorce here in America. Marriage began to falter. It lost its sacredness. It become more cool to shack together, and so people didn't get married. And so they were showing that marriage doesn't mean all that you think it means. And all of a sudden, we begin to see all of these other things begin to take place. They begin looking for other ways of being happy. Remember the 70s and 80s, the swingers, those that would swap wives? Mm -hmm. That began to be very popular. Guess what? It's made a rebound just recently in today's culture. The meaning of the marriage ceremony was lost. All of these things happened. And then, as my dad said, alternate forms of marriage arose. Well, what's an alternate form of marriage? Well, marrying two or three people or a man marrying a man and a woman marrying a woman. And so we see different definitions of marriage and traditional vows began to be replaced and they were rewarded as marriage contracts. It wasn't a commitment to one another. It was a contract. You sign right here and I'll sign right here. Something happens. You take this. I take that. It's a cut and dried deal. Mr. Zimmerman said that most people began to feel that monogamy was dull and boring. They couldn't imagine being tied down to one companion for life. That's true. And in all honesty, if you're thinking about marrying someone who thinks that's going to be a drag, don't marry them. That's right. Women can't possibly be expected to submit to their husbands anymore, can they? Most women would find that to be horrendous. Yes. All of this is brought on just by people not being content in one area of their life. We're only talking about marriage right now. We haven't even extended this onto other areas of life. It went even to the extent of them not staying with the person that they promised their life to. The desire for and acceptance of adultery began to grow until it became commonplace. People in traditional marriages failed to accept the responsibilities that matrimony brought them. In other words, they quickly lost interest in each other. They did. And when they lost interest in one another, many of them forsook their children, the Mm -hmm. few of them who decided to have any. Have you ever noticed that? That those who do have children push them off. They don't want them around. And there's some who have decided not to have any because it hampers their style. They all were following their lust. They followed their own desires. They had their own ambitions. They had their own appetites. And they followed these things wherever they took them. Feminist movements began to appear, Mr. Zimmerman said, once women lost interest in childbearing. They choose rather to pursue power, influence, and careers over motherhood. They were discontent with the thought of raising children as God intended. (laughs) Are you saying that they preferred Adam's curse to their own? I believe they did. Yeah. And it's proven true still yet today. Because of this very thing, though, right here that we're talking about, babysitters, daycare, and a host of other unneeded factions came into being because mothers were not content doing what God said they needed to do. 
They were not content being tied down all day. They wanted their own freedom. Well, we just did an episode here a while back about the false ideas of freedom. And this is the very thing that you have brought it back to. And I feel like this is so true. A person can only go so far into freedom. And then eventually freedom will lead you back into bondage. As these people's homes begin to fall apart, disrespect for parents and disrespect for all other authority increased dramatically. When this happened, juvenile delinquency, promiscuity, and rebellion accelerated. Yes. Well, when a person grows discontent of having someone to answer to, this will always push them into rebellion. It isn't just teenagers that are bucking the authorities today. No, some adults say rules were made to be broken. Isn't that smart? A parent jumping up saying rules were made to be broken, and then they're going to tell their teenage son or daughter what they can and can't do. How ridiculous does it get? That's right. When this thought system persists, though, society will begin to fall apart all around you. Mr. Zimmerman said tolerance was the message of the day that was being preached by the liberals in those previous civilizations. He said that what happened is when they begin to promote tolerance, sexual perversions would begin to be rewarded. See what's happening in America today? Yeah, this brought an increase in homosexuality, bestiality, and all other sex-related crimes. Well, that's true. And, and think about this. Everybody wants to talk about how much pornography is going on in America. Well, what do you think got us here? Pornography has become a way of life for most people. Right. When pornography is welcomed by a culture, look for rape, incest, pedophilia, and child molestation to skyrocket. Can I ask you a serious question? Yeah, go ahead. If you leave your front door open and a skunk walks in, can you complain about that? Not really, because you actually gave him free admission simply by allowing your door to be open. That's right. Can the government complain about all the child pornography that's going on? Especially when adult pornography is not only allowed, but it's encouraged. That's exactly right. This is just a small sampling of what we're fighting right here in our own country right now. And these are some of the very things that Mr. Zimmerman said he saw in all major civilizations that fail. We're watching the society around us crumble before our very eyes. Let me make some bold statements right here. Now, we started talking about discontentment. We're still talking about discontentment, but we're looking in different areas and different angles. Here's what I want to say about discontentment. Discontentment will hinder your walk with God. Discontentment will tear your marriage apart. Discontentment will cause you to forsake your children. Simply stated, discontentment makes life miserable. True, because marriages definitely become miserable when one of the members in it have become discontent. Yeah, but no one seems to be satisfied with anything anymore. Well, it's like the old saying, you couldn't make them happy if you hung them with a new rope. <laughs> I believe there's a definite reason for all of these things, though. What is that? It's impossible to satisfy lust. Can you put a fire out by throwing gasoline on it? No. And so the same thing happens with lust because lust has an unquenchable appetite. I guess what bothers me more than anything is these problems are not just in the world now. No, we're seeing some of these very same things come into our holiness churches today. That's right. The spirit of discontentment has pushed us farther from God instead of driving us closer to him. So many people are discontent with their home church today. Yeah, but we don't like the style of worship our church has. We could do much better with a different pastor. Well, our church building's just too old. The church is too big. We prefer a smaller church. Well, our church is too small. We're all just cramped, and we want to really be a part of something special, be a part of something big. 
And so our complaint list goes on and on without an end in sight. What we're needing is a church that is satisfied with Jesus. Amen. Couldn't have been said any better. If we all would find our contentment in Jesus Christ, we could be content no matter what's going on around us. And doesn't that take us back to the heart of what Paul said when we began this study? No matter what state I'm in, what condition my life's in, I can be content in Jesus Christ. That's right. We have nearly reached the same place that the mixed multitude in the book of Exodus did. Let me read you a couple verses here in Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They had just left Egypt and escaped over 400 years of bondage and slavery. Instead of rejoicing, all they could do was gripe, grumble, murmur, and complain. That's true, but are we any different? We've been saved from sin. We've been saved from our own wretchedness. We've been saved from all the perversions of life. We have left behind our guilt and our shame only to gripe and grumble. That's true. We literally murmur and complain about everything that God has blessed us with. Yeah. But the mixed multitude were murmuring against Moses, right? Well, that's what it appears. There's many people today who murmur against their pastors as well, just like they did against Moses. But let's take a closer look at some following verses. Let me drop down. Let's see right here. Verse 7, 8, and 9 of the same chapter, Exodus 16. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. Moses boldly told them that God had heard their murmurings against him. We need to be careful with our feelings of discontentment. Yes, for in all reality, you're complaining against the sovereign God of the universe who's very involved in the affairs of men. He's placed you where you are. He's placed you in the setting that you are in right now that you despise, that you loathe, and that you hate. You probably wouldn't say that the Lord is the one that you're unhappy with. No, but let me ask you a question. Has mankind dealt our circumstances to us? If he has, then man is the master of his own fate, and God has nothing to do with it. But you and I both know better than that. Yes, we do. When you gripe and grumble about every little thing that goes wrong, I'd like to encourage you with a couple things before we sign off of here. I want you to keep in mind When you begin to feel like things ain't going right and you're discontent or you're unhappy with the way things are, go back to Isaiah 53 and read the description of the suffering servant and what he went through for you. He was wounded for who? For our transgressions. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. He was well acquainted with grief. Go back and read over that and then see how sad you feel about your own life. Think about this. The next time you start to get down and out and kind of get in the mully grubs, go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and read what the people who live by their faith went through, but they held on. Yeah, take some time and read through the crucifixion passages again. That's right. When you see what Jesus went through and what he had to suffer, then compare yourself to him and see if you've really got a right to complain. Go over and read the life stories of Paul and John the Baptist and Stephen and see what they went through and how they all died. And I think you've come to a different conclusion. Things probably aren't as bad as we like to think that they are at times. 
that's right. We need to be careful what we say about people, what we say to people, and how we act around people because we're portraying Christ to a lost world. If they see you down and out all the time and they hear you grumbling and complaining all the time, do you think for a moment they want what you have? Well, they've already got a life full of troubles. They've got a life full of heartaches. They don't need any more. And if you can't hardly make it, then they don't even see a sense in trying to live right. That's right. Watch out for those feelings of discontentment that begin to arise in your life. They're being brought about somehow. And I'd like to tell you, it's the devil that's bringing them to you to get you to grow discontent with God and cause you to walk away from him. If the devil had his way, you would be dissatisfied with your job. You'd become dissatisfied with your spouse. You'd be dissatisfied with your children. And guess what? If you're discontent with all of these things, you'll eventually become aggravated with the Lord and his church. What state are you in right now? No, I'm not talking about are you in Colorado or are you in Florida? I'm asking what state of mind are you in right now? Can you be content where you are? Could you stay in the position you're in for a little while longer? If we can do like what David did and find out what God is going to do for us, I think we could say with Paul, I can be content in all things. I think we could be able to hold on a little longer. Saints that are listening in, keep going for God. Your help is on the way. Amen. If any of this hits you and touches you and you're there, find your place somewhere by yourself and pray. Talk to God. He will help you. Amen. Remember, friends, if you have a Bible question that you'd like an answer to, Drop us an email at DKMinistries1977 at yahoo.com. That's DKMinistries1977 at yahoo.com. If you have any question about this podcast or any podcast that you've listened to in the past, send us a question if you've got one. We'll certainly give you an answer. I would like to ask you personally if you would send in any and all questions that you have seriously, because I would like to do a special episode where we did nothing but come in and answer questions that were sent to us. Now, you may have one that takes a long answer. If you do, we'll do a full edition on that one question. If you send in something that I can answer much quicker, I would put four, five, six, maybe even 10 of them together and do one special episode where it's nothing but answering questions sent in. And I would really be excited to do that but I want to do it with questions that you are personally wondering about yourself. So I highly encourage you, please send those in if you will. We're trying to help you understand and to keep you focused on Jesus where you won't be discontented. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today, sharing God's word. But until the next time, may God bless you all. Come back and see us on Monday. We'll be looking at episode 84, the church of Ephesus. Feeling free, I'll gladly bear the reproach, Lord, for the gospel's sake. Where I go, you've already been there, cause I'm walking in Jesus' name. Well, I'm walking in Jesus' name, I'm going where he bid to go. I'm dressing and talking like you want me to, he's a keeper of my soul I have learned to lean on Jesus and cast on him my ever concern I'm looking for a home in glory where no sorrow will end